Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. A proposed long-term care facility in Port Hope is a complex situation. It is tangled up in a myriad of issues from the desperate need for beds for the elderly to preserving a heritage building. Mixed within this is the need to follow sound planning principles and the varying voices of the public on all sides. If that is not enough, the Ontario government issued a Minister's Zoning Order, or an MZO. This will allow the project to go forward and create a seven-story, 192-bed facility a new application to demolish the existing historic buildings on the site is currently winding its way to council. On today's show, Port Hope Mayor Olena Hankovinsky will talk in-depth about the background of the project, the minister's zoning order, and the path forward. More than that, she will share her own feelings and thoughts on what is unfolding. It is my sincere pleasure to have with me today Port Hope Mayor Olena Hankovinsky. Welcome back to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you, Robert. So pleased to be with you this morning. Before we get into the details for listeners who don't know what's going on in Port Hope, let's start with a few basics. Can you briefly explain what is being proposed for development at 65 Ward Street, 20 Hope Street? Uh, Well, uh, what is being proposed for development is a seven-story long-term care facility that will be providing uh, a net new 35 beds uh, for the community. It's consolidating two existing facilities in the the community into one building, and the the two facilities in particular, one um, are older and outdated um, buildings. Can you tell me what exists in that space now? So there there are three existing buildings on that lot and uh, that lot has been designated as uh, heritage protected. Can you also then describe for me the this surrounding area? Well, it's a largely residential area. There are uh, a few other type of buildings there, but it is a is it definitely a residential area in Port Hope. And, and the building itself, it's going to be seven stories. Now, is there anything similar within that area, that same height, just to give people a perspective? No, there is nothing of that similar height in 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 the area. What's the highest building in the in the area right now? Well, I think the the better way to to talk about it is what what we allow in terms of typically in terms of zoning for that area. And so that is um five stories. 
Now, who's behind the development? It is uh, Southbridge. Now, how long has this application to amend the bylaw to allow this higher building been before council and the public? Do you know? Well, the, the file uh, certainly precedes this council. The file goes back to the, the previous council, but discussions around a long-term care facility on this particular land has been an ongoing discussion for quite a few years, and it's gone through a number of design options. And uh, so it's certainly not a new discussion for this community. Uh, but it is a file that we have definitely inherited from the last council. If you were to summarize the public's feelings on the proposal, how would you do that? Well, that's a really interesting question, Robert, because we haven't actually done a broad survey of residents. We actually have not provided any kind of mechanism to report what I would consider to be statistically significant. What we do know are that there are a number of groups that have come forward with some serious concerns about the height, the scale, the, the overall location of this facility. Um, but we haven't heard from, say, the, the broadest segment of the community on this. As with many issues, those that feel most strongly about a particular issue are the, the ones that are typically um, coming, coming forward to talk to council or to express their points of view. How significant, though, is public input into the planning process? I mean, during all these various phases, and I think this goes back to, I, I believe, 2018, um, there's been all kinds of meetings. Uh, there's been all kinds of opportunities for the public to come forward and have input. Hmm. Why is it significant now to, may, say, maybe go out and, and to poll the public? Or is public input really a critical factor at this particular time? Well, you know, look, Robert, I, I can't comment on all the nuances of previous meetings and, and engagements that have happened in the past, but uh, in any kind of democratic system, I think community engagement is absolutely key. I think, though, that when we talk about extraordinarily challenging and complex and difficult files, as this one is, it's worth noting that there are many different stakeholder groups that are affected by the decisions that are in front of this council. And so the, the issue can look very differently depending on where you're sitting, what your priorities are, and what you feel is, um, is good for the, the community. I do acknowledge that we live in very um, different political times where a lot of local decision-making is now really taken by the province. And if we think about the MZO, for example, that is a ministerial order that 
really does decide the zoning on that particular property and it overrides anything that the municipality may or may not want and that is that is the reality of the context in which we're living i'd like to come back to the ministerial zoning order in a bit at one point there was talk of uh, granting a heritage permit but it was used as a, a sort of a push towards getting uh, southbridge to sign a development agreement but the time frame to reach a deal has expired in my understanding so can you update us on the status of the heritage permit and what does that mean for the development well the um yes a uh, previous council did in fact um grant um a heritage permit with a number of conditions those were never met so that we we revoked that permit last fall so right now what is in front of council is an application for a heritage demolition permit that is going through the due process which includes consultation um, with our um, with one of our um, heritage Port Hope advisory committees that happened on the 19th and then it will be going forward to staff to prepare a full public report which will then be presented to council and we will be having a special meeting on this file on the 29th at 5 p.m. So the Heritage Port Hope Advisory Committee determined that both the MZO and the demolition permit are not appropriate outcomes for this designated heritage uh, property and recommended to the council that the demolition permit not um, be granted. So as I mentioned, the council received this recommendation and deliberate about the permit for demolition at our future meeting. What meeting will this be coming up at? Is it our your next meeting or is it a meeting after that? Which one will it be coming forward it's to? It's a special meeting on the 29th at 5 p.m. only for this particular issue. And at this point, we have not yet received all the information uh, from staff, as I mentioned, in a form of a public report. And so we're we're still we're still awaiting that. And this will be a public meeting. Will there be an opportunity for people to make deposition, or is it just a, a council meeting uh, where you guys will be talking through what's what's being? No, any obviously any any public meeting. There is always an opportunity for um, folks to come forward um, and present um, a delegation. And as I have always said, that um, all decisions on this file will be publicly discussed and uh, deliberated. And that that is that continues um, to be the case. We have in closed session received um, critical legal and confidential advice and other financial information. But in terms of the deliberations on this file, all of this will be done in public and deciding uh, decided uh, in public. In May, Port Hope Council met with Minister of Long-Term Care, Paul Calandra. Who else was at that meeting? Um, Robert, that, that information is all public. We have released all the names. We have released um, the letter that requested this meeting, which came um, from the province. 
Um, and um, I think that's enough information. If somebody's interested to know, the, the full list is available. Why was it necessary to go into closed session, though? Well, it was uh, on the request of the of the province and the minister. It was outlined in in the letter, and it is absolutely in accordance with the municipal act. The municipality did its due diligence in that determination, and uh, like many other issues that go into closed session, this is one of those. Um, one of those issues where confidential information is shared, and that's why we have those special provisions under the Municipal Act. If it's my understanding under the Municipal Act, there are three areas generally which a closed session happens on. There's a legal matter, it's the purchase or sale of property, or it's a personnel matter. Which of those categories did this fall under? Well, there's a there's another part of the Act, and as I, as I mentioned, um, it is all publicly available. Um, we were very transparent. We released not only the letter requesting the, the meeting as well as the names of all the guests. And we have been very forthcoming about that to the public. And we certainly on a matter like this, as you can imagine and appreciate, we did our due diligence and ascertaining that this was absolutely an appropriate um, closed meeting. Now, I know when it's a closed meeting, you cannot discuss the contents of the meeting. No. However, can you describe the tone of the meeting? No, I cannot comment on anything that happens in a closed meeting. Um, what I can say is that this entire file is uh, not advancing at the request of the municipality. We are responding to information provided by the province and a request from the property owner. When you left that meeting, did you have any sense of what was coming at you in the future? Did you have a, a, a feeling about what, what was going to unfold going forward? Well, the only feelings um, that I've had about what was coming or what might be um, in front of us was that which we publicly shared in council when we initially got a letter saying that the minister was considering an MZO for this property. And as you know, now uh, we in fact did receive that MZO. For those who may not understand what an MZO or a minister's zoning order is. Can you give me a textbook definition? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't have the textbook textbook in, in front of me, but, you know, basically it, it is, um, it is a tool that, um, I guess what, what I could start by saying is, you know, the site where, um, the, the said LTC is supposed to be located is zoned in Port Hope for institutional use. And historically, um, we know that that's what it's been used for. The current zoning, as I mentioned earlier, can be up to five stories and higher than that has always regard, uh, required a zoning bylaw um, amendment. So um, what we have uh, received is an MZO, which we cannot um, appeal. And that basically takes any decision-making around the zoning and specifically 
site plan and the height of the building is no longer in our hands. What is left in your hands? Well, we have to make a decision on the heritage um, demolition permit that is in, in front of us. Can the minister override that aspect of the, the zoning? Um, no, you know, the, um, I mean, it's a little bit no, more nuanced than that. So a permit is required to demolish a heritage designated building. Um, the municipality approves these kinds of permits, but if the municipality refuses, the applicant, that is the, the developer, can appeal it to the Ontario Land Tribunal, the OLT, which can override a council's um, uh, decision. So that would be that would be the step if the council does not support the heritage uh, permit is to go to the OLT. Um, there can be costs associated with going to um, the OLT. And there are, of course, no assurances of what the outcome might be at the OLT. What I can share with you is data from 2022 that says that um, uh, close to 97% of, of cases heard at OLT have been decided in favor of the developer. How would you describe council's reaction to the events that have unfolded recently, in particular the MZO? Well, I don't I don't think anybody was surprised about the MZO because we had been we had been alerted to the fact that this was a possibility. We we had a letter sent to us. It was something that was reported on, as I mentioned in council. It was something that was explained to us in council. It's something that I've written about in my mayor's corner around what is an MZO? What does it mean? How does it affect um, you know, decision making around this file? So no. I don't think anybody was surprised that we received an MZO. People may not be surprised, but there are a whole host of other emotions that come with this. What mm -hmm. have been some of the other aspects of the reaction to things unfolding? Well, I think, as I had mentioned earlier, this kind of policy tool is, um, is used when there are when there are perceptions that there have been delays in, in a particular process and when a certain uh, agenda or priorities are, are really being seen as needing to be fulfilled. So we do have on record the, the Minister of Long-Term Care saying that he, he has an agenda and that agenda is to build LTC homes and beds across this province because there are, I mean, the reality is there are 39,000, almost 39,000 people on wait lists for long-term care, long care beds in this province. And he is on record in, in terms of Port Hope and saying that he will use any policy instrument available to him to make sure that this project is realized. Um, and you know the other the other important point to make I think is that the current facility um, 
Hope Street Terrace in particular, where we do have a number of the current long-term care beds that Southbridge operates, that building is not going to be able to operate beyond December of 2024 next year because it will not be adherent to fire code regulations. And in particular, it does not have a sprinkler system. So I do think that there is consensus in this community that we do need long-term care beds, that um, we have had years and years and years of, I would argue, probably decades of policy neglect looking at this issue and being prepared for the challenges of not only aging in place as a society, but the kinds of in institutional settings that are required for us to manage an aging population. There may be some people that are listening that would be saying, why, why does it have to go here? There's lots of land that's available um, in Port Hope and elsewhere that they could build. They'd have empty property, put up as many stories as they want, wouldn't have the impact or the controversy. Why? What's your understanding about why is it so important to develop at this particular location? Well, that's that's also a challenging question, um, Robert. I, I can tell you that looking at other options has been explored by, as I understand it, the previous council, and it has been explored by this council as well. I think in this particular instance, one of the things that is challenging is the funding envelope that is available from the province for those who are building long-term care beds in the province, the, the help, the incentive, um, if you have, is um, has a deadline of August 31st of this year. So there are certain criteria that have to be met in order to receive that funding envelope. And that does not leave a lot of time to be thinking about alternative land sites and, and having all, all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted that would be required in, in order to secure that funding envelope, which does enable and incentivize the building of LTC homes. There's a lot of aspects to this issue that are complex. You've said that a number of times, but also um, things that just can't be changed. How has all of this left you feeling? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> um, it is, you know, I, I, this has been a very difficult file for this council um, for a number of reasons. One is there is no doubt in my mind that every single person that we have in, on council right now is thinking from all angles on this file, is very concerned with um, the decision, the complexity of the decision-making. And also ultimately, I think we all realize there's, there, there's not going to be a decision that's made here that's going to be a win-win for anybody. And that is, that is just the reality of it. 
I do think, though, that we have to continue to think forward about the fact that there is such a demand for long-term care beds in our community, in this province, that we have to continually think forward about what might be the next project, what might be the other opportunities that we can bring to the community, what other options might there be. But this is um, an extremely long historic file. It is in front of us in uh, a time-sensitive manner, and we realize that um, there's no straight lines here. Have any allies come forward from elsewhere to provide support or information or expertise? Well, um, you know, we have heard from a number of experts um, in relation to heritage um, preservation in, in the community. What we haven't yet heard um, from, or we haven't yet heard from, actually are the families who have um, family members in existing buildings uh, in Port Hope in long-term care. And we haven't heard from the workers in, uh, in those buildings or in those institutions. So we haven't yet heard from, from those voices uh, or from actually the folks that are in long-term care in this community. You are an academic and you've worked for major institutions. Surely you must have some thoughts on democracy and how democracy works. Has this experience given you pause for thought and what have been some of those thoughts? Yes, well, you're, you're right. Um, if, I, if I were to um, go back to teaching my policy analysis class, this would be the case study that I would start with. I always start um, with showing my students what I call the, the wicked policy problems that engage and affect a number of different key stakeholders. And I think this is one of those problems where there, there is, as I said, no straight line. There are so many stakeholders that are directly affected that feel very passionately about this. And there are different levels of government that are playing roles in this decision-making. Um, I'm also though, at the end of the day, as somebody who has worked in the policy realm and seen different governments come and go at federal and provincial and local levels, um, I'm at the end of the day, a realist. And I think that that, um, that realist lens is what I bring to this particular issue. Uh, and I also, at the end of the day, as somebody who actually whose first book was written on the ethics of care and how that affects policy decision-making, I'm most concerned with uh, when we are confronted with difficult issues. When I think about all the stakeholders, I'm most concerned with those that are most vulnerable and are often voiceless in policy discussions and debates. And I feel that that, that dimension um, in this current situation has not always come out in the way that um, uh, reflects 
the lived experiences of those people who are living those experiences. We can have perceptions of what we think is good or bad, um, but those lived experiences have to always be front and center when we're making decisions, which we know that there are going to be um, many losers, but who's gonna lose the most or who's gonna win the most? We have to think about those voices that often don't come to the front and center of our policy discussions or debates. Do you have any sense that you might be able to give voice to those people before this decision gets made? Um, well, you know, as, as we talked about before, um, all of our public meetings are open for contributions and delegations and for, for voices to, to come forward. Um, but we do know from the, the caregiving literature that those who care give, those who receive care, those who are in care homes, um, they're, they're not um, the population that typically comes out and is able to actually advocate or even express um, their wants, their concerns and their needs. And, and that's not just specific to this particular issue. That is a well-known fact in caregiving literature more generally in this country and internationally. There are other plans in Northumberland that could face an MZO. There's the Lakeport Beach in Alnwick-Haldeman. Uh, Brighton has a potential project. What would you say to residents and politicians in other municipalities in the county based on your experiences? Well, I, you know, I would give no advice because every municipality um, has to chart their own direction. It's not a, a one a one size um, fits all. And I'm really focused on, on Port Hope and uh, what we've got in front of us and the decisions that this council has to make once it has all of the information and consider the, the risks and, and benefits of, of any decision. If you could sit down with a Port Hope resident and have a cup of coffee, what would you want to tell them about this issue? Well, I think I would just reiterate um, what I've said before, which is we acknowledge how difficult and complicated this file is. It's something that has confronted this community for a number of years that this council is extraordinarily conscientious. It is thoughtful. It is looking at this issue from all angles. Uh, I know I can speak for myself as somebody who is absolutely evidence informed and evidence informed means I am going to look at the research. I'm going to look at the evidence. I'm going to have a fulsome idea of, you know, what's happening in long-term care more generally, and in particular since COVID-19, how that's affecting legislation, regulation, building standards. Uh, I'm going to look at the data, the statistics on what we know is needed in our county, in our community, uh, in the province, and then uh, take into account all the stakeholder voices and expressions that have come uh, before us. And that that's how a good decision is made. And it has to, a decision has to be made by looking 
at all of those contours, all of those groups, and all of those voices, and all of the evidence all at once. And that's complicated, and it takes time, and it takes the ability to zoom in and zoom out. In our conversation, you've mentioned a couple of things that are coming up. So just to summarize, what are the next steps that people should be watching for? Well, I think uh, the most important is is obviously going to be the special meeting that we have on the 29th at 5 p.m. That is a that's a public meeting. It's open to everyone where we will be considering and discussing and debating the staff report that will be coming to us around the heritage demolition permit. And that is uh, when we will be making a decision on that file. Your Worship, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Robert. That was Port Hope Mayor Olena Hankovinsky. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.